Great to have you guys here today. Thanks for joining us. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. So let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. I have to confess something. I'm so happy because football's back. And I am like, I was needing it so bad. And so, but pray for my wife. She's what you call a football widow. Like, it's almost like I died when the season starts because she's like, I don't know where Bill is. He's in front of the TV again. You know, like I'm just, I'm glued. And it, I don't know if you're like me, but it doesn't even matter to teams anymore. It doesn't matter if it's football, I'm good. Jessica's like, you don't even know who's playing. I'm like, sure I do. That's St. Ignatius School of the Blind. I've been following him for years. What are you talking about? Doesn't even matter who it is, I'm gonna follow him. I just, I love football, I just really get into it. But there's certain teams I really like, I really get into them and they all have something in common. Let me just mention a few of them, see if anybody who's in the football gets what I'm talking about. I love Houston, Texas Tech, BYU, Boise State, uh, University of Nevada. Those are just some of the different ones I follow. You know why I follow them? It's because they all do what's called the air raid. And so the air raid is basically, it's, it's like, it's gunslingers. They're just throwing the ball as far down the field as they possibly can every single play. So it just, it's almost always a high scoring game. You'll see like TCU does this. Like if TCU plays, you know, University of Nevada or Boise State, it's going to be like the final score is going to happen in the last three seconds. It's going to be 56 to 53. Like that's what the score looks, looks like an NBA score almost. It's crazy, right? And that's because they just continue to just pound the ball all the way down the field. They throw it far and then they score high. And so those are fun games for me to watch. So I just, I love that kind of, that kind of play. And the reason why is because on any given day, if, if, a, if a school runs what's called the air raid or the West Coast offense or the run and shoot, there's different variables of the same basic scheme. If they do that on any given day, they can beat a team way better than them. Isn't that cool? So there's a certain kind of offense you can play that you can actually beat the big boys. You can actually beat the Alabamas, beat the LSUs. In fact, I did some research on this. September 30th, 2017, Troy University runs the air raid. I mean, have you even heard of Troy University? They beat last year in 2018, the number 18 ranked LSU Tigers. And they beat them with the air raid. Uh, it, it last week, in fact, this just happened again. Hawaii also runs the run and shoot, which is just another variation of the air raid. They beat Colorado State. They were a 17 point underdog and they came and beat them. In fact, one of the ones that's most memorable to me was a few years ago, the number 15 ranked University of Houston stunned in the season opener OU and they were number three ranked at the time, and they did it by just chunking the ball as far as it could down the field over and over and over again, and they beat them. And so, but probably the single most popular game that I've heard of is actually having their 10-year reunion of that game this last week was when Appalachian State, little bitty school, beat Michigan, and they did it by doing the air raid. And so I wanna unpack that offense, and so forgive me if you're not into football, but this will make a lot of sense to you about how you can beat an opponent larger than you. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do any of you recently feel attacked? Have you felt like maybe the devil was ganging up on you? Like maybe there was a spiritual enemy out trying to stop you? You ever felt like things are coming from all sides in your life and you're like, what is going on? I feel like it's all at once. It's almost like there's some kind of force in the unseen world trying to stop you. Well, there is. Wouldn't it be ridiculous if some football player geared up, went into the game, got hit, and as soon as I got hit, ran over to the, to the referee and said, hey, he hit me. You'd be like, yeah, that's the game. Like if you go on the field, you're gonna get hit. Then why are we so shocked and surprised that when we become followers of Christ, that we take hits from the enemy? That's part of it. The Bible's very clear on this. There is a God in heaven who loves you. There is a devil on this earth trying to stop you. 
It's very clear in Scripture. And so there is spiritual forces trying to shut you down. And so you're going to take attacks, whether they come in the form of depression, difficulty, uh, negativity, people that can hurt you, situations in your family, uh, debt that's out of control, problems at work. I could go on and on. Addictions, all kinds of besetting sins we deal with. Whatever it is, you're going to take attacks. It's amazing how quiet it got in here. It's almost like we can relate. Check out the scripture. Let's look at the Bible today. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 17. If you've got your Bible or your Bible app, you can open that to Exodus chapter 17. Because whenever you see a team beat an unfairly matched opponent, there are almost always four key components. And these four key components are found in the air raid offense, but also found in scripture when Moses defeated someone that seemingly was better than them. And so they had to fight a group called the Amalekites. Let's pick up the scripture in Exodus chapter 17. Oh, before I go any further, I almost forgot. What's our mission statement? What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. So if you felt attacked lately, you're not alone. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. The warriors of Amalek attack them. You're going to get attacked. You're going to deal with situations in your life that just make no sense to you. You're going to take cheap shots. You're going to take hits that you didn't deserve. That happens in our lives. Now, some hits we do deserve. Now, I don't mean that to be ugly, but I mean, sometimes we, we set ourselves up. Like, it's not fair to say, my spouse attacked me. Well, but are you, are you doing your job? Like, are you, are you plugged in as a husband or as a wife? And they're complaining that you're not? Because that's not really you being attacked. That's you not stepping up to the plate. It's not really fair to say, my boss is all over me if you show up to work and expect to get paid and not do any work. Like, that's not you being attacked. That's you not doing your job. So sometimes we have messes in our lives that we actually create ourselves. And so that's, that's a whole different thing. In fact, you may want to write this little equation down. This will help you with this. You may want to write this equation down. M equals O minus C. M equals O minus C. Here's what that means. A mess is just an obligation without a commitment. A mess in your life is where someone had an obligation that they're not committed to keeping. A mess in your family is you got a husband that's got an obligation, but he's not keeping his commitment. Or a wife has an obligation She's not keeping her commitment. You know, a, a mess in school is when you have a student that has an obligation, they're not keeping their commitment. They're not, they're not doing their assignments, right? They're not showing up for class, right? And so you have to understand, sometimes the messes we, that we like to blame on others or blame on God is really us not stepping up to the plate. So please do not think I'm saying, oh, I'm being attacked because my boss got on me for being late again. Maybe don't be late. That may solve that, right? And so oftentimes, the issues are us. So don't confuse this. If it's, if it's something that we've done, then we got to fix that, okay? But there are times when we just get attacked and we can't explain it. And so let's unpack that today using the air raid offensive scheme as well. And so look at scripture, Exodus chapter 17. So they're getting attacked. Look what Moses does. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. So couple things in here I want to unpack. First of all, notice how quickly Joshua just did what he was told to do. He, he had an obligation. He was a warrior, so he was going to fulfill his commitment. So he's like, yeah, I'll go to war. Moses had an obligation as a leader to say, I'm going to go get up on the hill, and I'm going to keep my arms lifted high. Now, those of you who say, well, this is not right. Moses should have been fighting, fighting too. Moses was over 80 years old. He was doing the role he should have been doing. There are seasons. Listen, there are seasons for everything. All of Listen, if you're an older man or older woman in here, instead of being mad and upset that you're older, you had a season when you were younger. So, so we, we, we had that season, and now you're entering a new season. Nothing wrong with seasons. 
So instead of being like, oh, I wish I was younger again. I mean, you, you, you're just, I hate to break, break it to you. I don't care how much surgery you get. You're not bringing that season back. <laughs> Even if you're like, no, I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> I just love when they laugh and you can't even tell they're laughing. You're like, I think they're laughing. I can't tell. So that season's not going to come back. So instead, recognize that there's value in every season. So when you're young, do what young people do. And be, you're in the fight. But really, we should be fighting battles when we're young so that there's spoils when we're older. So, but we keep reversing it, thinking we're going to get the spoils when we're young, but we've not fought any battles. Then we wonder why we're broke and struggle. That's a whole other message. I don't have time to go into that. But there's seasons for everything. There's seasons for schooling, seasons for growing your business or growing your career, seasons for advancing in this area, that area. So know the season you're in. That's really important too. So Moses knew the season. He said, no, I'm going to go up on the hill. I'm going to keep my hands high to God as a leader. Joshua's like, and I'm going to grab my weapon. I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight. So you got to know the season that you are in. So Moses commanded him, now get an army together and go fight them. We're going to go tomorrow. Now, for those of you who think, well, tomorrow, I mean, he put this off. Do you know how fast it is to organize a nationwide army in one day? That is incredibly fast. When America, look at our wars that we've announced over the years. When we announce war, it's only a couple of months before we actually see any action. And so for them to do this in a day is incredibly fast. That's the first point I want to make. Number one, use a hurry-up offense. Teams that beat teams they shouldn't beat, use a hurry-up offense. So they use speed. Speed kills, guys. If you'll use speed to your advantage, it's incredible what you can do. There may be a company that has a better product than you, but you're faster than they are because you're nimble and they're not nimble because they're big. And so you got to use speed to your advantage. This is why years ago, Nick Saban, coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, actually tried to change the rules. He went to the NCAA committee meetings and he tried to change the rules to where they couldn't do a hurry up offense. You know why? He was getting beat. And so he was mad that he had this massive powerhouse. And he's like, it's frustrating when you recruit the biggest guys in the whole country to be your front line and they just throw the ball right over you. <laughs> it's just like, man, they just totally defeated us. You know, and it doesn't mean everyone defeats them. I mean, they're really good. And so, but he had to change his defensive scheme to keep up with the offensive strategy of speed. He had to instead say, no longer am I going to get these monsterly big uh, def defensive backs. I need to get quick ones. Why? Because they've got to be able to pull back because of the run and shoot. So and I might be going into technical terms too much. But let me just tell you this. A Texas Tech can beat a UT. A Troy can beat LSU, right? A Clemson, who was a small program, can beat an Alabama. Why? Speed. Hurry up offense. They give you 30 seconds between plays, but a hurry up offense, an air raid offense, calls their play in less than 15 seconds. 15 seconds is average. It goes low as 12, as high as 16. So one of the biggest keys to you accomplishing big things in your life Overcoming the enemy in your life is real simple. Do what everyone else does, but do it in half the time. What I'm trying to say is this, speed up. Hurry up your life. Because listen, time is going to fly by. If you're in your 20s, you're, it's going to fly by to your 30s. It's going to fly by to your 40s. It's going to fly by to your 50s. My dad tells me it's going to fly by to your 80s. Seems like you, it's going to be like the snap of a finger. Like, how, where'd the time go? It's really true. And so learn to do things faster to accomplish more. This is such a huge thing. Speed up your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, speed up. Speed up. Okay, turn to the person on the other side. They didn't hear it. Say, speed up. speed up. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9 says this. It says, whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. 
In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. God put things in you to accomplish. He put a calling in all of us. I'm not the only one here called by God. We're all called by God to do something. You say, well, I don't understand what the calling looks like. It's a pulling. Something that you're pulled in the direction. I just got to do this. It's a pulling. That's God calling you into something. He's pulling you towards something. And so listen, this is very important. Don't die with your dreams still in you. You got to get those out. It's time to do that. And so speed up your life and do it now. In my book, Today is the Day, I talk about accordion, uh, an accordion, how you need to accordion your dreams and goals. Here's what I mean. You take an accordion, you stretch it out. This is how they do the music, right, an accordion. And so they stretch it out and they pull it back and they stretch it out. And so it's almost as if we took an accordion, we stretched it out, right, and then write your goals on it. You know, I've got my, my, uh, my 10-year goal. That's the big juicy goal down the road that, man, one day I want to do this. I want to have this. I want to own this. I want to have this much money. I want to retire here, whatever it is. Something big. I want to own this. I want to, you know, go here. Then you have your five-year goals. Then you have your three to five-year goals. Then you have your one to three-year goals. Then you have your 12-month goals, your six-month goals, your one-month goal, your one-week goal, and then what you're going to do today, right? That's great. So you got it all laid out. Then take the accordion and squeeze it in and say, okay, what I'm going to try to do in 10 years, I think I can do it in five. Instead of working on this for five years, I want to see if I can do this in one to three years. And what I want to do one to three years, I'm going to try to do in the next six months. What I can do in six months, I'm going to try to do this month. What I can do this month, I'm going to try to do this week. Take your goals and squeeze them in. You can accomplish more than you realize. Get focused. You have more in you. Because life is short. Use it well. Use the time you have well. It's, it's critical that we learn to speed up our lives. If you'll do this, it, it will be a game changer in your life. I promise you, whatever's pulling you, go to those things. I told my, my, my boys uh, the other night, Mason had a friend over, we were talking and we were talking about money, and they were asking me about business and money and real estate and investments and this and that. And I just said to them, hey, look, you guys are young. you got a lot of years, but I want to tell you this. When you're 40 and broke, that was a choice. If you're 40 and broke, that's a choice. I'm not trying to be ugly, but if you're offended by that, it may be because you're 40 and broke. Just make sure that you're not offended when you're 50. Does that make sense? In other words, I told them, I was like, you can get all the education you want, but you, you don't have to be smart or dumb or have this SAT or that SAT to save money. That is a simple thing. You either do it or you don't. We can talk all day long about what you invest in, but do you have anything to invest? And so the bottom line is, is that at some point we have to take ownership of our lives and say, I've had time. What have I done with my time? And use your time wisely. And so this is critical. No apology, no excuse. If you're doing well, no apologies for it. If you're doing poorly, no excuse for it. No apologies, no excuse. You are where you are in life because of the choices you made in the past. But the great news about that is you can be somewhere different by new choices. Amen. Isn't it good to know that? Just keep that in mind. So use the hurry up offense. Here's another thing. Exodus chapter 17, verse 10. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, Hur is actually a guy, H-U-R, Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So I want to teach you how to never fight fair. So you need to have the advantage. How do you get the advantage? Prayer. Prayer is a huge advantage that you have over whatever you are facing. Number two is to score fast with an aerial attack. An aerial attack is prayer. It's when you go high. And if you'll do that, it's incredible how you can gain ground quickly. An air raid team oftentimes will come out the very first play of the game, throw it all the way down the field. This is not uncommon. I mean, literally, it's the first play of the game, and they've scored, and there's 10 seconds off the clock. And the other team is already defeated, thinking, you've got to be kidding me. They're up seven to nothing, and there's been 15 seconds in the first quarter gone. 
And so it's very defeating to the enemy. So get a quick score fast on them. What does that mean? Prayer means you go the aerial attack and say, God, I'm going to go higher in my mindset by praying, by seeking you. If you'll do that and just viciously attack your problem. Are you lacking something? Attack your lack in prayer. Go to God about whatever it is that you are facing, whatever you are dealing with in your life. Just begin to attack it. Psalm 6 verse 9 says, The Lord has heard my plea. Isn't that good? God hears your prayers. In fact, this is something you may want to write down. Concentrated prayer gets you concentrated results. Concentrated prayer gets you concentrated results. Let's go score fast with an aerial attack. Raid whatever it is that you want in prayer. Go to God in prayer. One of the things I do when I, when I get overwhelmed, and unfortunately that's often, and uh, maybe you're like me and you get overwhelmed too. Anyone else can relate to this? You think, Lord, I have so much to do. I got so much to face. I don't know what to do. And so oftentimes as a pastor, I look and I'm like, God, this church is way bigger than ever dreamed. There's a lot of responsibility. And I start saying, God, I, I thought I needed a theology degree and I should have got a construction degree or a management degree or a business degree. It's like, there's just so much to do and to think through and to figure out. And, oh man, it's a lot of pressure. And in those moments, this is what I do. I get alone when no one else is around. I've done this in my office countless times in my home. Um, I'll go into a public bathroom when no one's there. I'm not kidding. And I will get on my knees and just lift one hand and just say, God, I need you right now. This is a normal position for me before I, pre I preach. I just say, God, please help me. God, I need you right now. Lord, please help me. I don't know what to do. I need your guidance. I need your power. I need your leadership in my life. Please show me how to handle this problem. And I'll sense the Spirit of God coming over me. Maybe someone needs that right now. Maybe someone needs to lift, lift a hand to God today, just like Moses did. Say, I'm in the battle, God. I'm lifting my hand to you right now. Can I pray for you right now? At all of our campuses, that, if that's you, just lift your hand high and say, God, I'm in the battle. I need to win. You see, when your hand's up to God, you win the victory. When you bring it down, you start to lose the victory because it's in my power now. But no, it's now in God's power. Now it's in my power. Now it's in God's power. Keep that hand lifted. Make this your prayer. You can pray with me right now. You can just say, Lord, I need you. Please help me and you'll sense God coming over you. Lord, thank you that you're here to help me. I'm not alone. And thank you, God, that you have an answer for this problem. Before I even asked, you have an answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give God a hand right now for how he is there for us in an instant? Isn't good to know? He really is there for you. Score fast with an aerial attack. This next one's important. Look what happens to Moses, verse 12. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. What's up with that? Moses, you need to work out, man. Come on. Actually, it was all day, so I can only imagine how exhausting it would be. Let's give him a break, too. He was over 80 years old. Keep that in mind. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So they won the battle because... They kept holding his hands up. I want to tell you right now, any victory you see me having, there's people holding my hands up. It's not just me. Oh, no. First of all, my wife has been holding up my arms for a long time, and she keeps me going. The truth is, is that there's many times when I've just wanted to give up, and she just holds my hand up. Everyone should, should have a spouse that way. It's a blessing. And so she holds my hands up. I have a team that does that. My assistant does that. Um, we have a whole team of people not only in my department, but across the church that, that hold my hands up. Our, our campuses, I can't tell you how many times I meet people I don't even know. That I'll, I'll be, you know, at Walmart or, you know, because that's where the, the big time pastor shop. And I will be there. And someone will come up and they'll go, oh, I go to the such and such campus. I'm like, oh, that's great. Nice to meet you. And they go, oh, man, I just feel so loved by the church and just makes such a difference. I'm thinking, I've never even met him. 
But that's a campus pastor showing them love, showing them encouragement, showing them leadership. Listen, our campus pastors, they hold my hands up. Let's give it up for our campus pastors at all of our campuses. We're so blessed to have them. They hold my hands up. They're probably holding your hands up too, encouraging you, keeping you going, giving you that pat on the back that we all need, right? And so it's important we have people like that in our lives. And so we need to do this. Number three, urgently get everyone on the team involved. Urgently get everyone on the team involved. Now, the first and most obvious team is your family. The second team is obviously those you work with typically. Third team would be your church membership, your, your friends, your, your team that you work with, that you serve alongside. That, that is huge. We need to get involved. You know, church is a lot like a college football game or an NFL game. You've got 12 guys on the field desperately in need of a break, and you've got 50 to 60,000 people watching them in desperately need of exercise. <laughs> and so we have very few people doing everything, and everyone else just comes and watches them. And then they leave and go, we got the victory. You did? I just saw you eat a hot dog. They got the victory, right? And so we need to get on the field. I wanna challenge you, maybe even come to Church Unlimited for a while. It's time to start serving. It's time to start giving. It's time to start contributing, saying, this is my church. I wanna make a difference. I wanna get involved. I wanna challenge you to do that. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Oh, it's real simple. Just open up your bulletin right now. On the right-hand side, there's a little card. Fill that card out. And then you know the part that you skip every single week? Don't skip it. Sign up for something. Just check off the box and then turn that in. And here's the crazy part. When you sign up, we'd really like you to show up, to actually follow through with what you probably already committed to. And actually just show up, go, go to the class you have to take or fill out the background check and just get started and actually begin to serve. And here's the thing about Church Unlimited. We don't redshirt anybody. All freshmen play. So when you first sign up, we put you in the game. So you're gonna get action, I promise you. You're gonna get involved right away. And so please sign up and get involved. No, singles, don't think for a second, oh, well, when I get married, I'll do that. No, 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 no. No, you start serving while you are single. You know how many single people, by the way, in our church have met the person that they eventually married because they began to serve while single? That is very common in our church. By the way, do you know that about 40% of our church is single, by the way? You're not alone. Don't think for a second, oh, I'm the only single person. You're not even close to the only person. There's single people all around you. I think we need to get some kind of little button that says single and serving. <laughs> so you can actually identify each other. Come on, let's be honest. Wouldn't you like that single? You're like, that'd be so much easier, right? Single and serving. Girl at the front counter, hand the bullet, says, hi, welcome to Church Unlimited. <laughs> Hope you have a good time today. It's ladies' night at Church Unlimited. I'm telling you. Single and serving. I want to encourage you to get involved, begin to serve. I'm sorry. I didn't take my ADD medicine today. I'm sorry. So get involved. It's a great opportunity. What can I say? Church Unlimited, ring by spring, your money back. That's how we work. So lots of opportunity. But a lot of singles meet each other, meet each other here at the church. And if you're going to meet someone, wouldn't it be better at the church serving alongside someone rather than at a bar? or the club. I mean, I just wonder, why does that go bad? Oh, I wonder why that goes bad. Look at where you met, right? And so, but if you want God to bless it, then be where God can bless it. So I just want to challenge you with that. Get involved. It's a, it's a great way to get to know other people. And by the way, ladies, I wouldn't date any guy that wasn't serving in God's house, because if he isn't serving in God's house, he ain't going to serve in your house. So you want a guy who serves. That's a big deal. So 
urgently get everyone on the team involved. Look what Nehemiah says in, in verse 14. Nehemiah was about to face a battle. He's trying to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and he was under attack. And anytime you try to build something in your life, you're gonna under attack too. And so look what he does. He, he gets everyone and stations them around the wall of Jerusalem by their own homes. Because their own homes, they, basically it was a giant wall around the city. That's how they did it. And then you got like one free wall to build your house against. And so wherever your house was, he said, go stand by your house. Go by, by the part of the wall where your house is and protect that wall and protect your family. He says this, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, and your wives and your homes. And so he says, fight for your family. Guys, one of the reasons I want to stop on this and talk about recruiting your family to get on board with you on the direction you believe God's leading you is because we are too busy fighting with our spouses rather than fighting for our spouses. Don't fight with your wife, fight for your wife. Don't fight with your husband, fight for your husband. Don't fight with your kids, fight for your kids. Don't fight with your siblings, fight for your siblings. Let's fight for one another because family is the most strengthening bond you have. We need our families and we need to be on board with each other. And if you're always fighting each other, it means someone doesn't get the vision of what you're trying to do. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's them, but get on board. And this is not fair. Don't go, oh, I've been praying about this and seeking God. I've been reading books about what I want to do with my life and the new direction I want to go. And I've been going to websites about it. And then all of a sudden, after all of that, you've been thinking about it and talking about it and praying about it for six, eight months. And all of a sudden you turn to your spouse and go, I want to do this. And they go, I don't know about that. And then you shoot back, you're not supporting me. <laughs> okay, you took about a year to figure that out. And now you want me just to hear you say it once and just jump on board? Like, give it time. It's going to take a while because you didn't sign up immediately for what God was putting on your heart. And they're hearing this secondhand, not directly from the Lord, but from you. And so give it time. It's, it, it takes a little time to, to get someone on, on board with you. But once they're on board, once you get your whole family on the same page, it's incredible what you can accomplish once you get on the same page. So urgently get everyone on the team involved and get them together. Next scripture says this in verse 14. After the victory... The Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So let me stop here real quick and just tell you what's going on. This is the first time in all of scripture, God says to someone, write down your victory, record it. Did you know this first time in all of scripture that he says that? So this is a big deal. Why would God say that? Because here's what we know about the Bible. God often says, write down your victories, but then also he often says, forget your past failures. And he says, I forgive you of your past sins. And so God always wants you to discard, to forget your failures and always record in great detail your wins so you can replay them again. And this is one of the great things about the air raid offense. These teams, they can confidently go in to Death Valley LSU and beat them. Why? Because they have a memory of when they beat someone big last time and they're thinking, oh, we can do this. We did it before. See, it's amazing how confident you can get to face bigger challenges when you've already faced them in the past and done well. So you got to record that in your mind. So what does this mean? Number four, remember and replay your victories. Some of you honestly are too busy remembering and replaying your failures. Remembering and replaying when you were abused. Remember and replaying when you were a victim. Remember and replaying when you were laid off. Remember and replaying the divorce over and over and over. Remember and replaying when they broke up with you over and over. Why are you doing that? That's not going to get you where you want to go. Forget that junk. Remember and replay when you won, when you succeeded, when you thought, wow, I feel great, right? Ladies, remember and record in your mind that time you went out and you looked amazing. You're like, I look 
good. Remember that and replay that in your mind again and again. Remember the time when you succeeded wildly, when it was like, wow, I was out of my brain successful today. How'd that happen? Record that, write down, how did I do that? What did I do? How did I feel when I did it? And then replay that in your mind again and again. Look what David did. David was a genius at this. I mean, David teaches us about psychology right here in 1 Samuel 17. When he's about to go fight the Goliath, right? He's about to do the air raid. Literally, he's about to throw a rock in the air and do an air raid. And so he was like, I'm going to take on Goliath, right? So he is, you know, he's University of Houston. I'm going to take on Oklahoma, right? He is, is, uh, you know... uh, trying to think A&M back in the day with Johnny Manziel. I'm going to take on Alabama, right? That was an air raid. That's how they won that game, right? And so check it out. He says this, David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear, he remembers this, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lions and the bear will continue to rescue me from this Philistine. He says, I've already done this. I already know how this works. I've already took out a bear and took out a lion. So why can't I take out a man? I don't care how big he is, he's just a man. I've already killed a lion. So if I can face a lion, I can definitely face a man. I mean, it's just, that's just bigger anatomy, not a problem at all. And so, cause I can, take, I can take that out. I've already taken out a lion. And so you have to record in great detail your past successes. Because here's one thing I know about God. God says, I've done it before, I'll do it again. God has helped you before, he'll do it again. Isn't it amazing how quickly we forget our successes? We need to remember the things that worked. Remember the things that went well, because if you replay those again and again in your mind, you'll begin to get your head in the right place. David said this in 1 Samuel 30, verse six, when his head was not in the right place, he was thinking defeat. He was worried, he was scared. He had all kinds of problems around him. It says this, David was greatly distressed, but David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. It doesn't say he prayed at that point. He encouraged himself. What does, it, what does that mean? He, he spoke affirmations over himself. Man, I'm David. I, I, I'm God's man. I remember when, when Samuel came to my house and he anointed me, not my brothers. And I'm the one who got this great victory. I could do this again. So he, he began to talk himself up. We need to learn to speak positively about ourselves. Turn to first section and say, I am so good looking. Let them know how good looking you are right now. Just turn around. Do you have any idea who you're sitting next to? Let them know. You have no idea who you're sitting next to right now. Let them know how special it is that they get to sit there. You get to sit here. Let them know. This is like VIP reserve seating next to me. You let them know. You should be paying admission to sit here. You get to sit next to me. Talk yourself up. The world is already talking you down. If we don't learn to let God's word, his spirit in our own mouth talk ourselves up, then who's going to? Talk yourself up. You gotta learn to do that. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I love this helmet. Check it out. Church Unlimited, right? Isn't that great? That's a good looking helmet right there. This is like legit too. How many of you guys played football in high school or maybe junior high, right? Or you maybe high, some, some college, raise your hand if you get any college, a couple college players, okay. And so if you got, you know, maybe you played ball, you remember that sound? You hear that sound? You know, you know it, don't you? You can hear that. And it's so much louder when your head's in it, right? You're like, ooh, it just rings, right? And so but I love it when, when I felt this, I immediately just went back in time to playing ball. It just felt like, oh man, I remember that. I remember putting the helmet on and going out and hitting one another and that kind of thing. And so there's just something about it that just gets you all jazzed up, right? You know what? I would be a fool to go in a junior high, high school, college, or NFL game without a helmet. That would be the dumbest thing you could, they won't even allow it. They wouldn't even call the play. They'd be like, nah, stop. He's got to get his helmet on. Because that would be incredibly dangerous to not have a helmet on, right? Because one hit and you're done. 
brain damage. In, I mean, they're saying you're, people are getting brain damage with helmets. Well, alone without a helmet, that would be insanely crazy. And you know what? The most strict rule they now have in the NFL, the most strict rule they also have in the college, I was actually watching a college game yesterday, and they applied the rule because some guy, a defensive player, speared another player, which means he threw his body like a weapon head first into the head, into helmet to helmet, into another player. And guess what? Not only did they do 15 yards against you now, they did 15 yards. Once they determined it was spearing, then they threw the guy out of the game permanently. He lost the ability to play. You know why? Because everyone knows the most potent weapon is your head. So if you get your head the most potent weapon right, it's unbelievable what you can do. You are a potent, dangerous weapon when you're head first going towards what God has for you. Nothing can stop you. The Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. What does that mean? It means I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. I know where I'm going to Christ. I know what I'm gonna do in Christ. And I've got the authority to do it because I've got Jesus on my side and greater is he who is in me and he's in the world. I am ready. Let's do this. Get your head right and everything else will follow. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed across all of our campuses right now. I wanna encourage you during this prayer time. This is an opportunity for you to do business with God. If God is speaking to you right now, he may be saying to you, get your head right. Quit focusing on your defeats. Quit replaying that stuff. God's telling you, that's why my son died. To pay the price for all that, to wipe it away, it's gone. So if God is choosing to forget about your past failures, why are you still remembering them? Let the Spirit of God wash over you and forgive you for those mistakes. Forgive you and remove that shame and that guilt. That's the power of Jesus and the cross. The cross is enough. He died for you. He pays the price for all of your sins and for mine. Thank you, Jesus. Get your head right. God, help me to recognize who I am in Christ. Maybe today your prayer is, God, help me to speed up. Help me to get my head focused on what you have for me and to get moving in my life. If that's you today, lift your hand high to God. Just say, God, I want to speed up. I let one hit knock me out. I'm getting back in the game. I want to speed up. I want to do your will. I want to get my head right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you never trusted Christ to be your Lord and Savior, this is an opportunity for you to pray a prayer, to receive Jesus. You can pray this prayer with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.